Hey, this is Pastor Rick. Welcome back to On Demand. Today, we talk about something you all face. We all face. All of us. It's called distractions. You ever get started down the road and all of a sudden, er, there you go, off, off, off again. And then you get going, er, there you go, off again. It's, how do you stay focused? How do you avoid distractions that can rob you of your dream? There are five things we've been talking about that can stop you from reaching your dream. Distractions is the one we talk about today. So stay right there. Get your Bible open. It's going to be amazing. Stay right there. Enjoy today's study. Father, I thank you for today's time together. I pray that these few minutes bring life and grace to those who are here. And I pray that they would find healing and freedom in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, listen, uh, let's get to it. I want to talk today. We've been in this series and there are five things dreamers must face when dreaming about their future. Uh, every year I try to answer one question. And the, the question this year is, how in the world do you dream again? How do you get to a place in your life where you can dream? And there are certain things you can do. And if you go to um, rickytemple.com and you click on rickytemple.com, click on video audio, uh, there's a list. Uh, if you scroll all the way through the sermons, you can see, and there's a list at the bottom of that sermon list there that has all the sermons for the year. And it has, and if you're watching this on demand, then you want to go to 20 and 20, year 2020, and you can see all the sermons. What's really cool about us is we give you years of stuff. You can go back and you can see the theme for each year. You can see what the notes were. The notes are there. The sermon notes are there. The audio, the video, and it's all free. And you can just listen to it till you get tired of me. That's <laughs> good stuff. It really is. And uh, I, I want to um, invite you uh, today to look with me at the, uh, this list, and I think this is number three in the list, of five things that dreamers need to face if they want to have the future. So these are five things. And one of them we started with was isolation. You have to learn how to be isolated. You have to learn how to manage this. And this is from Judges chapter six, seven, and eight. And we're studying uh, the life of a guy named Gideon who was amazing. He was alone, isolated, running from the Midianites. The Midianites had come in and taken all their crop, all their harvest. And so in order for him to protect his harvest, he had to get alone and isolate himself. And he had to reap his, or, or work, on his work on his wheat in private and, and this threshing floor, they call it. It's a little private area and they would go in there and fin finish off the wheat and then that way the Midianites couldn't see it. And so Gideon was forced to deal with isolation. And I talked about in the first sermon how important it is to manage isolation. Isolation is a part of success. Some of you want people around you and you don't need them around you. Second sermon, we talked about fear. And my goal was to, last week, show you how to have smart fear. There are things that you need to be afraid of. There are seasons when you face real challenges. And I always say this, and I want you to hear me carefully because we're in a very tough season right now. And what I said was you fight the fight you're in, not the fight you want to be in. You're in this fight. And if you're in this fight and your life's at risk and there are cautions, there are cautions you need to take, take them. And be smart, be wise. And don't dance with snakes or kiss alligators. Yeah, you heard that right. Don't dance with snakes and don't kiss alligators. Don't play games. If you're in a dangerous season, act like it. Protect yourself. Protect your family. Be wise. Be smart. Do what's smart for you in this season. Thirdly, today we talk about distractions and how important distractions are in our lives. Sometimes a distraction can hinder you and sometimes it can protect you. Sometimes God will get you looking at something else because you don't need to be over there at all. And then we'll talk about uh, change and, uh, and we're going to talk about uh, next week two things specifically. Change will be talked about a little bit today and then we'll move to an, another topic 
and, I, and I, this is really an interesting advantage, how sometimes the issue that you need to face is you have an advantage and you need to make some changes to take advantage of the advantage and how all that works and how sometimes in your life, if you're not careful, you can be the kind of person who won't take advantage of the things that God has given to you and you'll end up missing out. Now, I'll save all that for the end of the sermon and we'll come back to that later. But let me take you on this journey and I want to show you, if I can, a text of scripture. This is in Judges chapter seven. And in Judges chapter seven, this guy, Gideon, who's our main character today, has been incredible. I mean, he has stood up and he's gathered together an army and he's ready now to take on the Midianites who've been stealing from them. They've been taking their harvest. Imagine somebody coming and taking your paycheck. That's basically what they did. And so in chapter seven, he's gotten 32,000 soldiers together. He's feeling good about himself. And I'm sure you can relate to that. That season when you know you made all the right decisions. You, you've gone to school. You've paid the dues. You, okay, you got your army, your uh, uh, education, people, support, whatever you got together. You're married, whatever it is. And then the unexpected happens. An unexpected moment comes in Gideon's life in chapter seven of Judges. The first thing that happens to him is he's challenged. He's challenged by God to think differently. Because the first thing he wants, God wants him to see in Judges chapter 7 is you're seeing the world wrong. You think because you have 32,000 people, 32,000 soldiers, you think you're invincible. Because, and some of us are like that. You go to college, you get a degree, you get a husband, you get a wife, you get a church, whatever it is, you feel you're invincible. And I, I love the fact that God pulls him aside and says, listen, listen to this dialogue. This is Judges chapter 7, verse uh, 2. The Lord, God, the Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands or Israel would boast against me. My, my own strength has saved me. Now announce to the army, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 men left while 10,000 remained. God looks at him and says, you got too many people. I know you think you're ready. I know you've, you know, you've done all that you can do and you think you're ready, but nah, it's, it's not ready. It's not time yet. It's not time. Not, not, too many guys. Now, and if I do let you go, there's a problem that I see that you don't see. It's called hubris. That's a big word. I like it. You know what I mean? To become self-absorbed, prideful. And he says, I'm concerned that there's too much hubris. You will say, I did it myself. You will, you will boast against me. You'll say, by my own strength, I've, that's what saved me. And he says, so because of that, no, I can't give it to you. You can't have this. So what's interesting is God saw what he couldn't see. And I've learned this. There are times that God can see what you can't see. He can see the pride. He can see the arrogance. He can see the rebellion. And so this moment comes and he says, okay, I want you to just do this. I want you to get all the people that are afraid. Ask them. If you're afraid, you don't want to be here, you can leave. 22,000 people leave. Just pause and think about that. It was a mass exodus. Two-thirds of them leave. Amazing. He takes a deep breath, and there it is. God says, okay, I got one more test for you. You still have too many people. Look at verse 4. But the Lord God said to Gideon, there are still too many men. Take them down to the water, and I will thin them out for you. If I say this one shall go with you, he shall go. But if I say that this one shall go with you, he shall go. Now, here we go. <laughs> this is the moment. There, there is going to be for us three key lessons, three key words I want you to notice. And I want you to notice with me how 
how these words affect everything. And I'm going to put them on screen for you. The first word is distracted. These guys are going to show us distraction 101. And then you're going to see them become, because of their distractions, disqualified. And then thirdly, you're going to see them sent home. They're going to be dismissed. Distracted, disqualified, dismissed. Distracted, disqualified, dismissed. First of all, he looks at them and he says, okay, all the guys who kneel down and who drink with their hands like this and look, those are the guys I want you to put on one side. And then all the guys who bury their head and drink like this, don't look up, don't pay attention to anything. They're totally absorbed in the drinking, distracted by the water. I want you to put them on one side. 9,700 guys drank with their heads buried. Only 300 guys drank paying attention. Now, this is, this is um, a moment because I'm sure Gideon is looking at this saying, okay, all right, we already sent home two-thirds, and now you want me to separate them into two companies, and only 300 people drank this way. And you just, if you know God, you know, Gideon probably going, it's not going to be to 300, right, God? Is it going to be to 300? Yeah, it's going to be to 300. I'm going to deliver you by 300 people. And what we're going to do is we're going to separate them because what you see is two different types of people. You see a distracted person, group of people rather, and you see a person that's focused. I can't, I won't take you to victory with the distracted. And we'll come back to that later. But the distracted people are the ones that he puts on the left and says, I want you guys to let them go. Look what he says, verse four. The Lord said to Gideon, there's still too many men. Take them down to, to the water and I will then uh, I will then thin them out for you there. If I say this one shall go with you, he shall go. But if I say this one shall not go with you, he shall not go. Verse five. So Gideon took the men down to the water. There the Lord told him, separate those who lap the water with their tongue as dogs lap for those who kneel down to drink. Three hundred of them drank from cupped hands, lapping like dogs, and the rest got down on their knees. Verse seven. The Lord said to Gideon, with the three hundred men that lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. Let all the others go home. Let everybody else go home. So Gideon sent the rest of the Israelites home, but kept the 300 who took over the provisions and trumpets and the others. Wow. <laughs> this, is, this is off the charts amazing. So, okay, so we're going to go and attack with 300 people. Okay. So the distracted couldn't go, right? And now you've disqualified them. And what I want to do is focus for a few minutes on those people. How is it that you expect God to use you if you're not paying attention? There's something about this, this message, this point that he makes. In some fights, if you're not careful, if you're distracted, you will become disqualified. It will be simple. I can't take you to a good man 
I can't take you to a good place. I can't give you a bigger church. I can't give you a better job. I can't, I can't, I can't. Because you're always distracted. If you think about this, their heads were completely buried. Now, now I, I, I think of Paul, because Paul talked about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. His concern was that after he's preached to others, he can be so undisciplined and so distracted that he will find himself on the disqualified list. And I want to say this because I really think that a lot of what's happening today in our church, churches, a lot of what's happening in our world today, is draw, it got, there's a list of disqualified people being made. There's a list of people that don't pay attention enough, and because they don't pay attention, they don't realize that they have become distracted. And because of their high level of distraction, there's no way that they would qualify to go to the higher levels of opportunity. So hear it, hear it again. Distracted people become disqualified and they miss out on good opportunities. They're denied. They're dismissed from good opportunity. So here you are. You have a good wife, right? Hang with me. And you, but you're distracted by other women. So what happens is you become disqualified as a good husband, right? And so you end up being dismissed. Same thing with a woman, right? You're so distracted by these good-looking guys. He got good hair, whatever. He's a talk deep. And so you get disqualified. You pastor, same thing. And I'm, well, we pastors are amazing. Disqualified by travel, busy, running around the world, doing this, doing that. And we end up becoming disconnected from our own local churches and we become disqualified. People don't want to be around because we're never there. We're emotionally detached. And so guess what happens? We end up being dismissed. Even, and sometimes you can see that just by the attendance or the money. They don't always dismiss you. They, sometimes they stay and look at you, but you dismissed. So the question is, are we becoming so distracted that we're going to be on the dismissed list and become disqualified? I want you to, for a moment, pay attention. I want you to stop for a minute and look at the story, and I want you to pay attention. I want you to do drink like this. I don't want you to drink with your head down. I want you to drink with your eyes open, and I want you to look around. So ask yourself a question. What is going on around you right now? Don't be distracted for a minute. Focus with me. What's going on with you right now? In, in this environment right now, what, what's happening? Pretty scary, isn't it? Yeah, right. I know you got faith. We'll come to that in a minute. Some of you big faith people, you can't even hardly hear me, but that, that's a distraction too. I'll talk about that in a minute. But I want you to hear me for a second. You're in a difficult combat moment, right? This is hard. This is difficult. Scary. A lot of things going on. So in your world, I want you to ask yourself a question. Okay, so what do I need to do? Paul gave some advice in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24, because Paul said, my concern about me is that I will not be disciplined enough, focused enough, and I'll end up being disqualified. I will end up being put on a list and sent home. Here's what he said, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the game goes into strict, strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. 
I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. Verse 27, watch this now. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Now look at the preacher and think with me for a second. Paul said, discipline, focus, can't be distracted. I'm training. I've got to fight. I've got to pay attention. I've got to look like somebody who knows I'm in a serious conflict. And if I'm not careful, I'll get on the disqualified list. Now, you me tell you something I think is happening. <laughs> you can be on the disqualified list and not know it. You can, you can put yourself in a place where it is impossible to take you to the battle. It's impossible to use you. It's impossible. And I want to say this lovingly. You can get on a list that says with your personality and the way you deal with people, marrying you would be a mistake because of the way you behave. Going into business with you would be a mistake. I've interviewed people for jobs and there are times, you know, nah, I, I, I can't. Now, if I didn't hire you for a job, don't take that personally. Sometimes it just wasn't a fit. But there are times when you need to you need to see that disqualifications sometimes are revelations. And that's what I want to be. I want I want the revelation. So why am I not qualified for more money? Why am I not qualified to go to this fight? Why am I not qualified to be in this room? Why was I disqualified? Was it because I was distracted? Was it because I was a person who was distracted? Is that why I was disqualified? You know, it, it, there's something about getting to that point where you can hear some honest feedback. What somebody can say to you, do you know that you do A, B, and C? And that that makes me feel like this or that? There's something about being, being clear. You, where are your friends? Did they, did they dismiss you because you're hard to deal with? You're critical. You always borrow money. You don't pay back. Whatever, 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 whatever. You call all the time. You never, you know, you come by. You stay too long. What is it that puts you on a disqualified list? If you have a dream, and you're trying to get to the dream, right? You have to make sure you're not so distracted that you don't see those things in your life that disqualify you, that get you disconnected. There's something about that moment. Now, so what I want to do is I want to give you a quick list. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. This is my uh, list of things that I think are disqualifiers. And they're distractions. These are distractions that get you all tied up and put you in a place where sometimes God can't advance you. And this is true for all of us and we can relate to it. So here we go. Here's my list. Seven things. Number one, news. You get so tied up in the news. You get so tied up in the news that you it, it, it consumes you and starts to define you. And, and you just, that's all you watch. That's all, your conversation. You argue with people about, you know, they said and I said, and, and, and that is a trap. One of the things that I think our leaders have done to us, which is unhealthy, is has made us such news, news hounds that we don't have any outside opinion. Now, I love the news. I'm a person who loves information. I like research. But I understand the danger of just being consumed with the news so much so that it distracts you from your life. You know, you do have a life. Secondly, debt. You owe so many people. 
that you don't have time to think about anything. You're distracted with this overly overwhelming concern about debt. Thirdly, strife. You're so mad. <laughs> you are so mad. You are so frustrated. And, and there's a strife. And everyone who interacts with you ends up running into it. So you have too many people in your life, too much, too many, too much debt. You, 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 ne- you never know how to cut off the news. It just drowns you. So your life is distracted by news, debt, strife. And here's the fourth one. You're ready. Lust. You want everybody. <laughs> you're a slurp. Ah, that's you. I want him. I want him. I want him. You're handsome. Look at him. Woo. Hey, boy, what's your name? <laughs> lust. Yes, girl. You lust. Always want somebody. Every night, every day. How you doing? You want to come over? If you're not careful, your whole life, dude, is tied up with women, tied up with some guy, tied up with something. Lust. Dominated by it. You're so distracted by it, you can't keep your money right. You can't face where you are physically. Number five, fatigue. You be just tired. Excuse my grammar. You wore out. You are just wore out, exhausted, overworked, tired, frustrated, here, I love this. I'll put this down. You are always tired on the way to some place great. You're on the way to some great place, but you're exhausted and tired. I run from fatigue. I work. I work pretty hard. I do. But I rest hard, too, because I realize that fatigue. Most of the time, people that I've counseled who've gotten in trouble, they were tired. That's one common thing I've seen. Most of the time, they just wore out, tired, do something, and they're thinking their brain gets distracted and they do something crazy. So fatigue. Number, four, number six, fear. You're just scared of everything. <laughs> the boogeyman. Ooh, ooh, there you go. <laughs> fear. Oh, man, I'll tell you. All of us have been afraid of something, right? Real story. Sidebar. I was in the movies, right? And, and, and I, I, I'm not like a scary movie person. Not really. Because I do jump, you know, I do jump. So, so I had some popcorn in my hand. And, of course, people in the movies around me knew who I was, I guess. And so I'm with my wife and daughter and whatever. And, and the popcorn is in my hand. And I threw it in the air. I did. <laughs> they all howled around me. Everybody laughed. And so now my wife says, give me the popcorn. You're not allowed to hold popcorn in the movies. Uh, <laughs> when it gets to the scary parts, you say, Give me the popcorn. Come here. Uh, fear, but uh, fear, fear. You're so distracted by yeah, real fear. I mean, you're scared of everything. Are you scary, Pastor Rick? Yeah, not really. But at times, I'm tempted to be. Circumstances can intimidate me too. And I have to learn that if I really want to be focused, I can't let fear distract me. Because being afraid of it doesn't change anything. This, this is a sidebar. Being afraid of it doesn't change anything. That's why I tend to stand up to fear, because why why be afraid? If I'm in a fight, I'm going to be in the fight. I might as well just face it. Being afraid of it's not going to change anything. Dealing with it is and being honest about it. This can hurt me. This is dangerous. This is not good. Here we go. Number seven, anger. You just so mad. Oh, man. <laughs> Every day you're thinking about it. What happened to you? And you just dwelling on it, just absolutely out of control, angry and mad and frustrated. So much so that you're distracted. 
So let me ask you a question. Where are you on that list? Some of you said none of those, but I've got my own two or three things I thought about while you were talking, Pastor Rick. At some point, you have to deal with those and not allow those seven things to distract you. I can't be so tied up with the news and so tied up with debt and so tied up with strife and so tied up with lust and fatigue and fear and anger that I'm 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 controlled by it every day of my life in the morning, in the evening, in the night. It's just emotionally too much to process and extremely unhealthy. So what happens in this story that we started with? Well, God takes this guy, Gideon, and he says, Gideon, I'm going to teach you a lesson. I'm going to remove those who are distracted from you. I'm, re- I'm going to disqualify them, disqualify them, I get this out, from going with you. And I want you to take 300 focused people. Now, these 300 people impressed me because these are the people that God handpicked. And what's really amazing is God does this unique thing with them that teaches them a valuable lesson. Here's what he says. I'm going to change the game for you. I'm going to, in the middle of this change, now, when you do what they're about to do, you needed the 300 because everybody wouldn't go with this plan. Let me show you. This is in Judges chapter 7, verse 19. So you got the 300 people. He's about to go to battle. And here's the plan. Here's the battle plan. Okay. Look at verse 19. Gideon and the 300 men went him, reached the edge of the camp at the, at the beginning of the middle watch, just after they had changed the guard. They blew the trumpets, broke the jars that were in their hands. Now, let me pause for a second. God gives them this plan and says, what I want you to do is I want you to not worry about swords or anything right now. Uh, I want you to get some jars and some trumpets. And that's it. And when you get to the camp, I want you to break the jars, toot the trumpets, and say, the sword of the Lord and Gideon. The sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Just say that to them. Say it again. A sword for the Lord and for Gideon. That's in verse 20 of verse chapter 7. That's the plan. I want you to go there and do that. Now, I want you to know that's not a really good battle plan. Just just in the natural. This is like a plan to die with. But it's the plan that God gave them. And these 300 guys focused, were not distracted, and they, they carried it out and they won. The Bible says they, they, they turned on each other. In verse 22, when the 300 trumpets sounded, the Lord caused the men throughout the camp to turn on each other with their swords. They started fighting each other. Gideon didn't even have to fight them. They, they turned on each other. And because they thought when they heard all the they saw the they saw the lanterns, they saw the trumpets, they saw the they, 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 they heard all this noise and they thought this is Gideon. He's got thousands of soldiers. They're coming to get us. And they and they started obviously saying, no, I ain't running. And they start fighting each other. And before you know it, Gideon won with just 300 people. Now, here's the lesson. Please notice God can only use focused people. I want to be one of them because when God changes the plan, I need to put my arms around that plan. When God changes the plan and the plan is not the same, how do you respond to that plan? Now, in this story, Gideon makes the right decision. Gideon doesn't get distracted. He doesn't get off. A lot of us in our current culture, I think, are getting off. We're distracted by things. And I think 
the, the one thing that distracts us is something that I want to just end with. I, I, um, I have a conviction that if Gideon had done what everybody else does, he would have lost his battle. If he'd gone out there with 32,000 soldiers and tried to win on his own, he would have lost if he did what he'd always done. And sometimes the temptation is to do what you've always done, think like you've always thought, to never think a different thought. And that's when you get you in trouble. Some of you are in a unique season and you're tempted to try to be what you used to be. I made some notes, what I call common temptations that Christians face. These are what I call, these are my little paper notes I wrote. And um, I wrote down some verses. So let me read these verses to you. The verses I, I just wrote down that I thought were just worth me saying to you. And I, the reason I, I want to read these is because it's going to prove that sometimes we get stuck in one way of thinking that ends up disqualifying us and, and, and will get us dismissed. And, and I, I want to say this because I, I realize that for a lot of people, uh, especially religious people, church people, saved people, Holy Ghost filled people, uh, born again, whatever title we want to call ourselves. It's very easy for us to be so distracted by our religious viewpoints and our religious passions that we become like the Pharisees. And we have an answer for everything. And we're not listening to anything. We're being dismissed. 80% of people don't go to church. 20% of the people and they, they come and the young people are leaving in droves. Uh, the money is the money is the money is funny. And a lot of things are happening and it is tragic. It is a tragedy. And it's something that. We are not paying attention to because we're distracted. And sometimes we're distracted with Bible verses and we make assumptions. For example, Romans 8:28. I love it. Right. All things work together for the good. So we read that verse, Romans 8, 28, and we think it means whatever's going to happen is going to happen. God will work it all out. Uh, they say they're going to evict me tomorrow, but all things work together for the good. Y you're not paying attention. Why is your life like this? Here's another verse. Second Timothy, chapter one, verse seven. God has not given us a spirit of fear. I'm not afraid of anything. God has not given me a spirit of fear. And so you use that to somehow distract yourself from dealing with things that really are intimidating. I mean, you, you got this problem and you see it, but you, you're ignoring it and quoting a Bible verse to justify it. Here's another one. Matthew chapter seven. Be anxious for nothing, but all things by prayer, all things. Yeah, right. OK. Um, so you're not worrying about the fact that you've lost your job and that you need you don't have a career plan and that you don't have a direction in your life. So that means that you you're so distracted by the Bible verse. Now, hear this right. You can the Bible verse you can use can become a tool that blinds you. And it's not God's fault. It's the way you culturally are responding to that. Here's another one. You ready? Romans chapter four. Um, call those things that be no, not as though they were. Call those things that be not as though they were. So pretend, just pretend everything's OK. Just pretend. And, and you're trying to talk to this person, right, who, who's quoting you this verse in Romans four. And you're saying, um, uh, you you're you're sick or you're. You know, your marriage is in a bad place. It's in a good place. I believe it's in a good place. Call those things to be not as though they were. Really? You're distracted. See, and what I'm trying to show you is your religion has got you distracted. 
your interpretation, the way you're approaching life. Here's another one. Second Corinthians 5, 17. We walk, we walk by, I'm sorry, Second Corinthians 5 and 7. We walk by faith and not by sight. It's not, no matter what I see. It no matter what I see. So you, you don't look at anything. You don't do what the Bible says. Sit down and count the cost to see, to see, count the cost to see. You don't do that. First Peter chapter five, verse seven. God <clears throat> wants you to cast all your cares upon him. So you don't have to be responsible for anything. You just cast all your cares on him. You don't worry about anything. <laughs> and on and on and on. And on and on and on and on and on. And on and on. And, and here's what I think people around you are saying. You're distracted by your religion. And, and you've used the Bible to blind you to reality. You're not looking at the world. Well, Pastor Rick, don't we walk by faith? Yeah, you do. But it doesn't mean that you don't look at the truth. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. A lot of things in life, if you, it's all about balance. And it's all about not allowing yourself to be so distracted. When I was a younger person, I went to church too much and didn't study. And my grades show it. In my undergrad, I was not a good student. And the only reason I wasn't a good student is because I was so busy trying to go to church and not study. I didn't study. I had four years. I, I graduated. And it's like my son said one time. He said, I said, boy, did you make cum laude? He said, I want to say thank you, laude. Thank you, Lordy. I'm glad I made it out. Now, my master's and other degrees, I've been really disciplined. Uh, 4.0, hardworking, hard charging, only because I've learned to not be distracted. Sometimes we're distracted. Pastor, you're distracted. Wife, you're distracted. You have a husband. You're so distracted by your church. You have children. You're distracted. Balance is the key. And if, you, if you're not careful, you will become disqualified and you will be dismissed. And like Paul says, after you preach to others, you will be a castaway. And if you don't want that to happen, you've got to pay attention. And let me take another bold couple of minutes here and say this. In this season of challenge, we're facing this great pandemic issue during this season. If you're watching it during this season, some of you may be watching it afterward. But if you're watching it during this pandemic season, if you don't pay attention, the world will disqualify you. They'll dismiss you as irrelevant. They'll view you as a naive group of people quoting a bunch of Bible verses and getting all excited about your Bible verses. But you are not a realist. You have a challenge in front of you that you need to face. And so the question is, do you want to be disqualified? Do you want to be dismissed? How do you know you're being dismissed? Look at your attendance. Look at your money. Look at the people around you. Look at what they're saying to you. Look at your inability to answer honest questions. You're all caught up in some dream and you're not focused. You've redefined yourself. You're now spiritual politicians and you've lost your way. And if you're not careful, the Lord says, I can't take you with me. I, you, you're too distracted. You're too mad at this group or mad at that group. You're too upset. Every day, that's all you're talking about and thinking about. Your mind is not on kingdom work, soul winning and people being transformed. Your mind is on some political agenda. I'm not against politics. There's a place for that. But for some Christians, you're so distracted that you've forgotten your purpose. And maybe we should rethink that. I'm done. I've taken a little bit longer than normal, but I hope I helped you today. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to be with your people. I pray that what I've said has been helpful. And I pray that we would not be distracted, that we, we would take advantage of our advantage. That's what we'll talk about next week. The importance of using the advantage we have. Gideon lost sight of his advantage and his whole family suffered because of it. Because he didn't focus and become really clear, he allowed himself to become distracted 
and it ended up leading to a place where he abused, he abused his advantage. Help us, Lord God, learn today from that example. And we give you the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. For some of you today, the message I've said, shared has helped you see that you're not really focused and you're really not aimed properly. You've not really focused on the things that God has put in front of you. And you need to pause right now. And it's your spiritual life and your spiritual growth. For some of you, giving your life to Jesus today would be a really smart move, saying, God, I need you in my life. I need to make a decision about my spiritual walk. So right now, I want you to pray with me. Father, I pray for people today who've been distracted. They've been so busy trying to make a living, trying to do things that they've lost themselves. Some people who are even using the Bible, but they're not walking with God. They're just quoting Bible verses. And they're using that to distract them from the reality that they are in need of you. So I pray this would be the beginning of a new walk with, it, with you. And we give you the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I hope that challenged you to deal with distractions in your life. Seven distractions plus a bonus one. Oh boy, that was good stuff that helped you, I hope, see how easy you can get distracted by anger, lust, all that other stuff. And it can end up being something that really gets you. But the thing that really gets me is being distracted by Christian thinking, not Christ. I didn't say Bible thinking, I said Christian thinking. The culture of Christianity creates ways of thought that can be a deadly thing for us, especially during this season. So I hope it helped you. I hope you learned a lot from it. I hope you pick up the truth and put it in your heart and carry it with you. And I hope you're ready to fight a new way, a new way. God called them to fight a new way and he's calling us to fight a new way without fear, but with faith. Let's pray. Father, let this be a beginning time for all of us as we enter into this new season. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your power. And I believe by faith you've called us to trust you as we go forward. I give you all the praise. And may everyone who's heard this today be challenged and changed. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, look, it's been a joy to have you with us. My name is Ricky Temple. I'm glad to have you join us. And I'll see you next time right here on demand. Be blessed. Bye-bye.